For some of you, if you're new here, I, I have, this, this, it's been three Sundays since I've been here. This is great. In fact, I was talking to, to Tony this morning. It's the first time the two of us have been on site together since Christmas in Idaho. It's been forever. And I'm, I'm just going to say this as I get rolling. I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Um, man, quarantine is for the birds. Like I, like I, everybody I've been around has been sick. My, my wife, I, I never got sick. My wife got sick. I, I never, I, ne- I, did, I didn't get it. But like Tuesday, I'm pacing back and forth in the house. Lori's like, what is wrong? I'm like, I can't take this. I, I gotta, I gotta get, I said, I'm gonna go running. So I go outside and I start running. And as I'm running, Proverbs 28.1 comes to my mind. The wicked run when no one pursues them. And I just came back inside, but I was ready to get back. <laughs> no, I made that up. I made that up. But anyway, it is, it is so good to be back today. And I'm, I, I'm excited about what God has in store for us. How many of you had a kid that would, in the middle of the night, freak you out? And what I mean by that, you would wake up at 2.30 to this dark presence, presence by your bed just staring at you, not saying a word. Silent. Anybody have that kid? Yes. What is up with that? Like, I'm not gonna say which one of ours it was. We had one of those. Now, we also had the, the, other, the other kid that was like, mom, 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 mama, mom. You know that commercial? Mom, mommy, mom, whatever. Like, oh man, that'll, that'll get your attention. But it was funny because kids have different methods that they use for getting your attention as a parent. I was preparing this week and the thought crossed my mind. I've been asking a lot of questions. In fact, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell you this up front. Like I, I'm, I'm gonna just be doing some talking out loud here this morning because I've been asking some, some questions. We've been praying for revival. And, and, and it's interesting, over the last two weeks, for some reason, in particular the last two weeks, I've heard from a lot of people going through some unique seasons, some things, and, and I've heard, a, an interesting phrase pop up, and I, I say this not judging in any way because I get it, I've been there. But, the, but they, they've said, I, I feel like God's just forgot about me. And I, I pray, and, and I, man, I've, I just feel like I, I'm not hearing from God. And it, it was interesting because the, the question just came to my mind this morning. You, have, you ever feel like you don't know how to get God's attention? Now, I want to I say something because the, the reality is this. God is not a parent like we're a parent where I will tell you, I'm, I'm never, like, I was never the one to watch our kids when they were a busy street or whatever because I get caught up. I'm not paying attention. I'm like a terrible parent. Like, I, I should be better and all that sort of thing. Lori was definitely more attentive than I was. Thank God he's not a parent like me. We have an attentive father. But there are times when we seek and, and we, we just wonder, why, why isn't he moving? Well, I want to talk about something. Um, we're, we're talking about revival. We're, we've been praying to see God move. We want to see God move. And, and something came to mind. That, that question, I'd, I'd heard it again this week. And, uh, and I think it was just because of context. I was reminded there are, there are three unique instances of Scripture in which God sent fire from heaven 
to consume a sacrifice. Three unique times. It happened uh, once uh, to David. It happened once with Solomon. And then probably the most familiar is Elijah. When Elijah was on the mountain, there was this whole battle between the false prophets and there's 400 of them, one of him. And it's, it's a pretty amazing thing. And, and, and so I want to I be careful because I'm not talking about, because it was, it was very unique. It was not the norm, but there was, there was an interesting thing. As you study through the offerings that were offered and, and all of that, God moved, but also his people had a part to play. And I feel like that there, at times there's this tension between when we're, we're praying for revival, we're praying to see God move. Am, is there a part that I'm supposed to play? Or what, what, you know, what, is this all God? What, what does this look like? How do we get God's attention? How do we get God to move? I want to talk about that for a little bit because what hit me, I, I actually went and looked up each, each of those instances. And in each one of the instances, God is the one who sent the fire, but his people built an altar. And what his people did was they, they cleared the ground, they, they built an altar, and they, they put a sacrifice on, on the altar, and then it was God who did the rest. And I, I want us to talk about it, because, man, I... I I rest with us. Like for those of you who don't know me, like we're having next steps uh, today at four. You'll you'll learn a little bit more about me um, if you're new to Grace. But I'm I'm kind of a pragmatic visionary, and you're like that is weird. What's that? It's like I, I'm not a, a I'm always a person that's I'm, I'm looking ahead. What's the next thing? What do we got to do? Let's knock this out. I always I, I always I'm one of those guys. Always have goals. We've got stuff that we're working on, and I, and it excites me. I'm passionate. Probably one of my well, not probably one of my weaknesses. I don't always. Just pause and, and look back and remember and celebrate and think. I, I, I'm not, God's helped me in that area. I'm a pragmatic visionary who, who not only sees, man, I can see things sometimes. And it's weird because I, I feel like everybody sees them, but I've, I've figured out not everybody does. But I know that a, a vision is, is nothing more than a fantasy if you don't have steps. And so there's the pragmatic part. It's like, okay, what's it look like to do this? But what God's been teaching me over the last 10 years since I've come here as pastor is he's taken me on this, this faith journey. And, and I, what I've found out is, is this, what, what Paul wrote when he prayed this incredible prayer in Ephesians 3, 20, he prayed, now to him who is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think, to him be the glory in, in, in the church and, and forevermore. I found out that that description of God is true. I found out that God's dreams and visions are bigger than my visions. And you're like, well, yeah. I mean, I get it like on an intellectual level, but I've seen this. I've seen that God can do the impossible. God, I, we, we've seen God move. We've seen examples of this. But, but as, I, as I've been thinking, okay, so where are we at? I, I've just come back to this and I, I just want to think about this this morning. I'm going to talk, just talk a little bit about this. God sends the fire, but his people build the altar. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brothers, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Our part is to build the altar to, pre to present the sacrifice. And so what I'm going to do today, I I'm going to talk about something that, I I'll be honest, I'm just, I'm, again, I'm talking a lot, I'm, I'm wrestling with this, but I I'm going to be sharing a, a few things where I believe God's taking us in, in the, next, the next few years as I close our, our time here. But I, but I, I want to look at something. 
We've been in Acts chapter two. We've looked at what takes place when God moves. And by the way, what we see, the description of revival in Acts chapter two is a unique description of revival. God does not always move that way. And many times we pray to see, to have an experience or to see something like was seen somewhere else. I don't think we should seek someone else's experience. God's just going to move in a way, in such a way that, that meets the need that we have here right now. But there is something that, that I saw after Peter preached his message, there's a response to the truth. People are, are, are being saved or being baptized. The end of the chapter, there's some familiar verses. If you've read through Acts 2, you've probably read this. And, and they're even inspirational. But there's something that jumped out to me when I talk about this whole thing. What does it look like to build the altar? God sends the fire. As people build the altar, how do we make, you know, how, how do we make provision for revival? There are five things that jump out. And actually, you know what? Let, let me just talk about that. Because, because these aren't necessarily what I'm going to talk about. It's weird because it's not like I'm going to say, you've got to do this. Okay, so I'm not, I mean, there is something we want to do this, but we can't program this to take place. I, I, I guess the best way to put it, but we can make provision for it. I want us to make provision for revival. So I'm gonna talk about building an altar here this morning. In Acts chapter two, verse 42, here's a description of not just the apostles who'd been praying for revival or just the men and women that were, the 120 that were gathered in the upper room that we looked at last week. This is after the case. It says that the, uh, what, what is it? At the verse 41, there were added on that day about 3,000 souls. Here's what 3,000 souls plus 120 began to do. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, I love this, all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number. I like this. Not just year by year or month by month, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I like the fact that, that worship was not a one day a week thing for these guys, that, that God was actually working daily. There's something powerful about this. In fact, what I'm gonna talk about, this building the altar is not a, hey, let's once a week, 52 times a year, let's get together and do something. I'm actually, what I'm gonna propose is 365 days a year, except for like uh, leap year, then we're gonna do 366, like days a year where we're actually going to make provision for five important things because as I've been studying, I've been going back through church history, looking at different times where there was a unique move of God that could not be explained any other way than it's God. In these awakenings or revivals, whatever you wanna call them, there were five things that are consistent that we actually see here in Acts chapter two. And as we close this series, again, I'm not talking about, we're gonna program for this because I don't, I don't know how, you, you can't program a move of God. 
but we can make provision for. We can at least begin to pray. We can begin to prepare. We can build an altar. And these five hallmarks of revival that mark, that mark a church, the five things that, that we need to make provision for, I'm gonna hit them, talk fast, write fast, here we go. Number one is vibrant worship. Vibrant worship. There's something that is powerful here. A mark of a revived church is vibrant worship. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the word, the breaking of the bread, communion, to prayer. Now you're gonna see they broke bread in homes, they ate together and all that, but they, they were attending to, to attend corporate worship together. They were filled with all. Not only that, they were giving praise for God's blessing. And I've been, I've been thinking about this because what I love is, is when God begins to move, when God begins to, to do his work, the, the, the church begins to worship. And, and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here. In fact, in a later series, we're gonna come back just because this has been, just as, as I've been wrestling through, through this this week, there's so much here that I, I wanna share and we just don't have time. So we're gonna break this down in greater detail. But I, I wanna start here because we're building an altar. What, what do we need to make provision for? Vibrant worship. And, and, and I, I wanna say this, did you notice that when it talks about vibrant worship, it has nothing to do with music here. And the reason why I say that music is we do worship through music, but, but if, we have, if we think that worship is only music, we've, we've missed it. Because we only focus on, on one thing. Music, worship is not a style. Worship is not a song. Worship is, is literally intimacy with and fellowship with God. There's a, there's a move. It's marked by an awe. There's an undeniable move of God. It's not only like a lot of us think that when, when worship is taking place, when God begins to move, that there is going to be this emotionalism. And sometimes there is. I'll never forget, I was... I was at a youth camp in 1991. I will never forget this in my entire life. I don't know how, I don't know how to explain it other than it was a move of God. During, during the service, literally the speaker got up to, to share and before he could even speak, it was literally like God, and it was, it was just God came through and there was actually a wave where you could actually see row by row, all of a sudden kids who I knew like, did you mess up, I messed up, were running forward to commit their lives to Christ. He, it, there was, it was just this weird response. You could, it was just an undeniable move of God. I've never forgot that. But what I found is that that is, that is, a, unique, that is a unique move of God. God's, God's move isn't always marked by emotionalism. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's a quiet moment in which, kind of like what we just sang, we're in this moment and, and you don't even want to leave. It's like, I don't know what to do right now. There is this sacred moment God is doing. Worship, vibrant worship, is nothing more than intimacy with, fellowship with God, an undeniable sense of God. And, and what happens in worship is not that our taste or our, our whatever we want is elevated. It's where Christ is glorified. It's where he is lifted up and there is always a response that glorifies the Father when worship is taking place. It's interesting because when I, when I, when I have been studying through this, what marks, what marks a, a, a great awakening, a time of revival, wherever the hap, happens to be, is a vibrancy of worship where it's not, let's just go through the motions and do what we've always done. There's a unique sense of seeking God's face in prayer. Communion becomes more than, than just, let's go through here and get our bread and our cup and do our thing. It becomes meaningful. I, I don't know how to say it, but it doesn't stay with, it doesn't happen just within a, a service. 
It happens in, in homes. It, it begins to break out in schools. It is the weirdest. It, it, when, you, when you study this, it does not make sense. You cannot program this. And that's why I, I've been asking, what does it look for, God? What does it look like for us to make provision for vibrant worship? What does that look like personally? What's it look like in our homes? Because it's interesting. If you study where God has moved, it literally, begin, worship begins to take place in homes. And, my, and, and my, my, the question I'm asking myself, that I'm asking us here this morning, is worship something that we only see taking place on Sunday or is it happening within our homes? You see, there's something that is undeniable when God begins to move. And what makes worship worship is not the fact that we sang lyrics or we prayed prayers or listened to a message. It's that there was an undeniable sense of God's presence, that there was a response that he was lifted up and it, it looks different. Vibrant worship. I read through this the, 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 this week and, and I'm thinking, okay, God sends the fire. We build the altar. We, we can only make provision for these things. Well, you know, what, what else? Another thing that jumped out to me was, was the gospel. What has marked revival has always been gospel-centered teaching. And I want, I want to be very careful. It's, it's very easy to begin to, uh, you know, go through. A, a lot of us have, have an idea of, of what gospel-centered teaching is, but what, what the gospel is literally what the apostles were proclaiming. Jesus Christ came, he died, he rose, he has addressed the problem, the sin problem that we have. The gospel for, for many of us is, is a word that, that we throw out or maybe that, that, that we reference, but do we know what it, do we not know what it means? I love, I love how Timothy Keller summarized the gospel. He said, the gospel is simply this. We are more sinned and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. What I love here is it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They came back to what, what, what marked them is what really matters. And see, the gospel is always taking us back to these fundamental truths, that, that, that God is holy and his law is, is right, that we're not. And yet, because God's love and because of, of God's grace through Jesus Christ, all of our sin has been dealt with and we can be accepted by an almighty God. This is such a beautiful beautiful truth. This to me is the gospel that, 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 that we're, we're not just, we, we just don't have a salvation that we talk about past. Yes, we have been justified. That's where salvation started. But can I tell you this? We are being saved. We are being sanctified. We are literally being transformed right now. The Holy Spirit is moving and changing us. We need to talk about this. We need to change. We need to talk about the fact that there is a future salvation. It's called glorification. Now, what's, that, what's that word? That's a big old word. Really what it means is that one day God's going to finish the work that he started. What this means is we have been saved. We are being saved. We're going to be saved. I can be assured of salvation. This is a beautiful, but when I look at what marks this, what marks a move of God, it's, it's, it's coming back to, to not talking about the, the three principles for living a good life. We come back to the gospel. I've been asking myself, what, what does this look like? You know, they devoted themselves to the, the apostles' teaching, but it also says that they devoted themselves to the fellowship. There's an authentic community that exists within the body. Can I tell you that you cannot make somebody love somebody else? You, got, you guys know that, right? 
Like some of you dated somebody and you tried to convince yourself and it was not to be. Now, I, I, we, can't, we can't create community. We make provision for it. But what I know is that, is that what I see here, the, the, the beauty of this, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. They literally broke bread in, in homes. Can I, I just want to break this, break this out. Hospitality is worship. Hospitality, eating together, there's something powerful that takes place. They will know that you are my disciples, Jesus said, by how much they stand up and fight each other. No, by their love for one another. Now, I'm going to tell you, that we can love one another, and we just like some people better than we like others. Like, literally, don't look at me that way. You know. Like, right now, you know. You know. There are some people you go out to eat with and other people you don't. I'm not saying that, that it just means that, you know, you're going out to lunch with everybody. Because, you know, I'll be honest with you, I, I feel this wrestling. I, I wish I could go out to lunch with every one of you, especially if you're buying. I, I, I mean, I love that. But I just can't. I wish, I wish all of you guys were in my life group. It's not possible. Somebody told me one time, they were in a, somebody asked me, how are you in Pastor Keith's life group? I'm like, I don't know. I, trust me, my life group, I, we have fun, but you, probably their other life groups, their food's better. I don't know. I just, you know, it, it's nothing special about us. But, but what, I, what I've learned is I, I, can't, I can't be at every special event. I can't be at every, everything, but I can be at some. And, and what I mean by that is we all have people that we can love. That there, there is something that, that we can do. We're part of this. And what marked the church was a genuine love. You know, I hear a lot of, a lot of times, man, Grace is such a friendly church. And, and I, I, I don't know, I've tried to figure this out because I, I like that. But I think there's a difference between a friendly church and a loving church. A friendly church is friendly on Sunday morning. A, a, a loving church I don't know, there's, there's a relationship that goes beyond Sunday morning. And I think a lot of times, you know, we, we see the church as, we don't see it as being something that we are. We are the church. We see it as a place that we go. And so we, we go there on Sunday and, and we don't always see the need for, for fellowship. But can I tell you that the revival, it breaks out and it sends us out. They attended the temple together, but they met in homes. They ate together. There's something powerful that happens. One of the most beautiful things that, that, I, that I can say that we've done right as parents, I've done a lot of things wrong, right? My kids are probably gonna be in therapy. But um, there, there are some things we've done right. And one of them is to just have other believers over at our home and for them to hear stories of how God's working in other, the lives of other people. There's something beautiful that happens. And I, I don't always know why, you can't make this happen, but what, I, what I've seen is God sends the fire, we build the altar. Part of this is making provision for authentic community to take place. Not only that, there's a, there is what, what has always marked, what has always marked, uh, you know, when it, uh, awakening or whatever you want to call it, there, there's a, a compassionate concern. It's an active love that even goes beyond. And you know, I, I don't know about you, but have you ever struggled when you read Acts 2, uh, the, the part when they had all things common? You're like, okay, that's just kind of weird. All who believe were together and they had all things common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And, and, and we're like, 
are they like a, a commune? Like, what are, they, what are they doing here? No, it just means that we didn't, that they didn't view their possessions as their possessions. They viewed what they had as a blessing given them to by, by God, and they didn't see themselves as having to hold on and control something or to hoard something, but it was actually given to them to steward, to manage, which meant that if there, if there was a need here, actually this thing here, I like it, but, but actually I can, sac- I can sacrifice that. I will sell that to help meet this need. And you're like, I just struggle with, with that because there are a lot of scammers out there. I promise you there are. Like I, I'm gonna just say something I should not say. I am a judgmental person by nature. Like God, God just has to, uh, seriously. Okay, I just feel like I'm sitting on a, psychiatr- a psychologist's couch right now, a counselor's couch. I, I, like when I, when I see somebody with a sign or whatever, my initial thing is I'm gonna make up a story. I like, yeah, they're just, because we, we've all heard, we've all heard that. But I think what's happened is we've become so cynical that we've actually closed up our hearts to those who are actually in need. I'm not saying that we just, that we just go out and you, you give to, to every person that has a son. I'm not, that's not what I'm advocating for at all. But what I'm saying is we have become so cynical, hard-hearted potentially. Um, uh, maybe, the, maybe the word is we've actually become selfish. It's all about me. That we have, we have lost the ability to care. And we've allowed this whole thing of justice to become a political byword. And so when, when you hear the word, every time I mention the word social justice from the platform, I get angry emails. So like if you're getting, right now, you're shutting me off, stop. I want you to listen to what I'm talking about. The thing that God brought up most when talking to the Israelites, when he judged them and he, he was sending them into captivity was, the, was their lack of concern about justice. They did not stand up for those who were marginalized. They did not take care of those who had need. They enslaved and took advantage of the people around them instead of caring for them. Justice is not a political rhetoric that can be hijacked by the, by the right or the left. Justice is a biblical word. It is a biblical word. And what will mark and what has always marked a revived church is not that we had ecstatic experiences within the four walls of a building. It's that revival spread and changed a community. It changed cities. Literally, it was a revival. It was a great awakening that there was a preacher by the name of George Whitfield. He actually was, was part of, of bringing a slave trader by the name of John Newton to the Lord. John Newton felt so guilty because of his, of his terrible past and, and the atrocities that he'd done, but yet God saved him, changed him, called him to pastor. He pastored a young man by the name of William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce actually became a, a, a politician, a fantastic politician. There's a great movie out that you need to check out. William Wilberforce was the one who advocated for and against great opposition started this whole thing of abolishing slavery in, in, in Britain. It started with a revival. It wasn't that a guy's like, ah, you know, this is a social issue. We need to deal with this. No, it's because revival changes our hearts. It changes who we are. We don't just love each other. We care for the city that we live, live in. And guys, God has called us, Grace Bible Church, he's planted us right here to be a not just a church in our city, but a church for our city. I, I'm convinced of this. What, what does it look like? I, I, I can't make people care. I literally cannot, I, I can bring awareness. 
It's God who does this. It's revival that takes place. You see, we can only make provision for these things, but it inspires me. I wanna be a part of a church where there's vibrant worship, where there's authentic community. I wanna, I wanna be part of a, a church that genuinely cares, they love authentic community that, that, that stands up for the marginalized, that, that, that is reaching and, and making a difference. We care about our city. We, that's what I wanna be part of. Guys, it begins with revival. It's not because we set out to be something. It's that God in his grace and mercy pours out his Holy Spirit and does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We can make programs. Programs will only go so far. It is the Holy Spirit when he ignites his people that affects lasting eternal change. Whoo, I'm getting fired up. And you can tell it's been three weeks since I've been up here. Let's go. The last thing that I would say before I close is what marks the revived church and something we must make provision for is vigorous evangelism. Vigorous evangelism. I love this, this phrase. When you read the end, verse 47, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It wasn't because they kept their mouth shut. It was because the gospel was proclaimed. You see, when people begin to actually make provision for the presence of God and God begins to move, you cannot help but talk about what you care about. Evangelism is not a program. Evangelism is not merely an initiative. Evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. It's, it's us just talking about what we care about. And can I tell you, every one of us are evangelists in some way. You're like, no, I'm an introvert. No, 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 no. I've seen your Facebook wall. You're an evangelist. <laughs> we all advocate for something. We fight for something. We care for something. We talk about something. Dude, some of you are food evangelists, and I am too. I'm a food evangelist. Like, I, I, I am one of those guys, like, if I find something I like, I will tell you all about it. And, and like, I am... I am probably a little on the obnoxious side. Like I actually interrupt conversations. If I hear people that I don't even know, they're like, where do you think we ought to eat? Man, I don't, there aren't any good restaurants. I'm like, hey, uh, have you guys been to Little Saigon? You guys really need to check out Thailand Express or, or this restaurant. I, I, I have no problem. And there's never a time when I do that that I'm like, oh, I wonder if I'm gonna offend them. I bet they're gonna, you know, I, I'm probably gonna cross the line. No, I just, dude, I, I want... Like right now, some of you are making plans. Every one of those restaurants I mentioned are closed today. So don't even think about going, you can go there tomorrow. But no, but you know, we talk about what we care about. Some of you, you, you talk about sports. Like I, I remember when I went skydiving, like I jumped out of a plane, I, I did that. And you're like, why would a person jump out of a, a perfectly good plane to, you know, Dude, it was not a perfectly good plane. It literally, I was scared that I was gonna die in the plane. So it was actually great once I jumped out. But, but man, anytime I hear somebody talking about uh, skydiving or, or any, I just, I jump in. I, I, this is, that's who I am. No, we talk about what we care about. And, and, and what, I've, uh, what, I've, what I've learned is, is who we worship or what we worship, it dominates our conversation. In fact, there, there, there are three things, three ways you can figure out who or what you worship. Number one, Number one, you can't stop talking about it. And, and, and number two, when, when you're with that or doing that thing or with that person, the time flies by. 
And third, when, when, you're, when you have two things that are competing for time, you don't even think twice about giving time, energy, uh, money, whatever, because that's what you worship. Honestly, if, you, if we take those, that, it, it's amazing. It, it will actually bring to the surface what really matters to us. But it's interesting, when, when God begins to work, we can't help but talk about what we're seeing. I love, I love later in Acts where it talks about the, the people would gather at this porch. It's called Solomon's porch. It was part of the temple. And, and all of the, the believers, the, the Holy Spirit had filled them. They're talking. They can't, the great things are happening, signs and wonders. And it says that even the people who weren't believers would gather around the porch. They wouldn't even come up on the porch because they're like, that's a little freaky what's going on, but I want to get around and see what's going on. That's what takes place. And you're like, well, I'm not an evangelist. I, I, that's not what I do. Listen, there's always two types of evangelism. There's Andrew evangelism, there's Philip evangelism. Andrew evangelism, that's Andrew's the first disciple, John 1. Jesus uh, called him to follow him. He spent some time with Jesus. He went to his brother Peter and, and he couldn't answer Peter's questions about who Jesus was. And he's like, I'll just bring you to him. And so Andrew was a guy, he just brought somebody to, he, he just brought him to Jesus. Some of you just need to bring it to somebody else. You're like, I don't know the answer to the question. Because that's always things like, I'm afraid to talk. What if they ask me a question? I don't know. Well, dude, when I talk about Little Saigon, they might ask me about a dish I've never had, but I'm not like, well, I can't talk about Little Saigon. That's going to freak me out. No, dude, literally, I promise you, just take them to somebody that has the answer. But then there's Philip evangelism. And Philip evangelism, oh my word, look at the time. Uh, Philip evangelism is, is where, is where you're, it's like Acts 8, you know, Philip, he was, he was one of the guys that was here in the upper room. He's transformed, he's revived, he, he's growing, he has knowledge. He doesn't, he doesn't have to take him to church or take him to a life group or take him to a friend. He literally, he saw an Ethiopian official that was studying Isaiah. He couldn't figure out what was going on. He's like, what are you reading? I'm reading through Isaiah. He said, I don't figure, who, who is this guy that they're talking about in Isaiah 53? Philip jumps up in his chariot, explains the word of God to him. The guy's like, oh, I get this. And he believed on Jesus Christ and he's talking about baptism. He goes, what? what's keeping me from being baptized now? Nothing. Philip baptized him. He's all in. Listen, there's always gonna be different ways that we do this. But what, what I love is that we've got to make provision to start talking about this. I believe that God is, is wanting to do something. In fact, I want to go on record. It's January 30th. It's January 30th. 2022, guys, revival's gonna take place. Amen. And I'm not saying that just because I wanna see it. I'm telling you, we're going to see God move. We've started seeing these little tremors and I'm telling you, the big one's coming. Get ready. But, but, but you gotta know that what's gonna happen, we're not gonna just go through some easy times. Unless, unless something dramatically changes in our nation, there's some crazy times ahead for the church. And I'm not saying that to freak us out, to scare us. We have a promise that we have someone who is going to walk through the fire with us. He's gonna walk through the deep waters, through the flood. We will never be alone, but that doesn't mean we're not gonna go through things that we don't wanna go through. But can I tell you that, that it's, it's usually not in comfortable times, but usually in tough times that God begins to move. I am convinced that God is going to move. And I've been asking this question, why not here? Why not here? You know, I think it comes down to three important words. I want you to write these down. Because God sends the fire as people build the altar. The three words that jumped off the page at me were this. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the teaching. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Guys, we 
cannot, I've said this so many times, I'll keep on saying it. We cannot plan a move of God, but we can prepare for one. But my question is, are we willing to devote ourselves? And so I'm just unapologetically asking this congregation to believe with me for a revival. I'm unapologetically asking this congregation to begin to devote yourselves for revival. I died out a long time ago to pastoring a large church. That being the main thing that we're all about, just getting a bunch of people together. A circus can bring a bunch of people together, right? That's, that, that, didn't, that didn't change anything. The thing that matters more to me, more than anything else, is engagement. And jumping in, not, not, just, not just being a bystander, but jumping in. And I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say something, like if you are new here to Grace Bible Church, I want you to just, just hang with, just kind of take a pause. L- l- let me talk to the fam. Family, a lot of us have settled for being a person who just shows up to a service and we're not willing to put ourselves in the game. And God, guys, I'm just telling you, revival isn't gonna be happen because there's a pastor that's preaching the word. Revival's not gonna happen because we got, you know, a board or we got this ministry or that ministry. Revival happened when 120 people said, you know what, I'm serious about this. We're gonna get away and we're gonna seek God's face. We're gonna pray and we're gonna prepare. We're gonna do some business. And we're gonna get in the game. And guys, it's, 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 time, it's time for us to be, stop making excuses. I don't want, honestly, can I tell you, I don't wanna add one more thing to your plate. That's not what I'm asking. I'm just asking for you to make provision for where you're already at to share, to love, to care, to make a difference where you are. You see, God's called us here for a unique time and place. And I didn't know if I was gonna share this. I, I put it in my notes, um, but I, I decided for sure where, you know, I, I, I wanna share this. God's, God's just been do, doing something. I, I've, about a year and a half ago, I came to this realization that God didn't just call me to be a pastor at Grace Bible Church. Literally, God called me to the Treasure Valley. I care deeply about Nampa. I care deeply about Caldwell, about Middleton, about CUNA, Meridian. I, I care deeply about, about the, the valley. And I've been wrestling with this because, in fact, I, t- I told Lori a little while ago, I said, man, I said, I just, I feel this tension at times where I've got this fire inside of me and I don't always know what to do with this. I'm just, I'm just like talking, I'm just, you're hearing my heart now. I got this fire inside of me. And I said, there's so many times I just feel like I'm hitting my head against a wall. And if, I, I, this, this happened, you know, about a year and a half, two years ago when we had this conversation. I said, man, if, if, if my future is just getting up and the only thing that I'm to do is to preach some messages so people can pat me on the back and send me an email about how much they appreciate what I'm sharing, dude, I can't live that life. God has called me to make a difference. And all I know is that whatever takes place, I'm gonna make a difference. And I, when I say I'm, that sounds uh, very precocious and arrogant, what, what I mean is I'm gonna be, I wanna, I wanna be all about providing for revival, preparing for revival. Because I'm, I'm, I can't do this by myself. And I'm asking, I'm asking this church to be part of preparation. 
And so I've, I've, been, I've been talking to her, boy, there are a few things that, that some dreams that I have, I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm gonna share. First thing is this, I, uh, I just decided, you know, we've, we've had this debt hanging over our head. By, by September, with God's help, we're getting rid of four, the $453,000 that we have left. And like, if you're here and, and you're like, oh, great, here we go, talking about my, if, you're, if you've been here for any number of times, you know that's not, we don't make that part of what we do. I, I believe God's, God's gonna move as he wishes. But we've got churches to plant, and we're, we're already talking about where, where are we planting next? Um, God has, God's opening some doors and we're, we're exploring where, where we're gonna send people. God's called us to be a sending church. God's put, called us to be a church that goes. So I, I wanna w- knock this out. So what I'm gonna do for the, next, for the next nine months, well, if we hit it by May, I'm cool with that too. But for the, for the, for the next nine months, just one Sunday out of the month, I'm gonna get up here and I'm, I am not, we're not doing a campaign. I'm not gonna have, uh, I'm not gonna bring up a little graphic here, stand beside me and, Hey, let's make this, let's go, let's go out. I'm not doing any of that. Literally, I'm just gonna say, let's knock this out because God's got a future for us. God's got us something that he wants to do. Because this fall, if Lord, Lord allows us to see this happen, we're gonna be opening something, launching something we call the Grace Center. And um, it's gonna start off by, because what, what, I've, what I found out, man, look at the time. Uh, there, when God said, when God said this, you shall love the Lord uh, your God. When they asked Jesus what's the most important commandment, he went back to Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. A lot of us only think of serving the Lord in a spiritual sense. We don't think about what it means with our bodies, with our minds, with our emotions. I'm convinced that many of us are struggling to worship God as we should and to love our neighbors ourselves because we have different areas in our lives that need healed. And I've been praying about how can we be a part of healing here in the valley. God, what would you do through your people? This Grace Center is gonna be part of it. And so we're launching something, we're launching the Grace Counseling Center with licensed counselors and uh, pastoral counselors this fall as, as the Lord wills. And somebody asked me, he's like, you know, are you looking for counselors? Yeah, I already have two people who've submitted applications. Uh, if, you're, if you're interested, if God's called you to that, jump in, let's make a difference. But we're also launching something called Grace Family this fall. I don't know if you guys know this or not, it's a sobering statistic. Teen suicides have just gone up exponentially here in Nampa. In fact, they've, they've been calling the pastors together, even the city officials saying, how can you guys be part of this? Some, we've got to do something. Guys, there, there, there are so many needs that are out here and there's so much dysfunction in our families. And we've said, what can we do tangibly to make a difference in our community? We can help families. And we're gonna do these things and you're like, well, they don't sound very spiritual. They're gospel-centered. It's what we've been called to do. We're gonna, because a revival always, re- always results in people going. We're gonna, we're gonna go, we're gonna make a difference. We're gonna plant churches. Um, there's some cool things on the horizon that, that we have in store, uh, some clinic stuff that we're working on. But guys, all of that is nothing more building the altar because the fire does not come because we put a program in place because we launch a ministry or because we paid off debt that's making provision it's God who sends the fire and church here's what I'm asking as we close this as we close this series as we close this service I want you to pray first I want you to pray next steps Lord what do you want to say to me how do you want to change me where do you want to take me
I want you to pray. Second thing that I, I want you to do is I want you to, to ask. God, what does it look like for me to get in the game? What does it look like to make a difference in my community? What does it look like a, for, for me to make provision for some of these things to happen? There's some of you that, you made. you guys have the gift of hospitality. How can God use it for the kingdom? I don't know, but maybe you don't know either. I think there are a lot of times what keeps us is number one, we either don't want to, which I don't think that's true. I think, well, maybe for some of you, I'll, pr- I'll pray for you. <laughs> but, but no, I think for most of us, like I don't even know where to start. I don't know what the needs are. And reach out. Part of that's on us because we don't always talk about maybe as we should, but it's on all of us just to reach out. Well, what's that look like? But then to commit. Would you begin building an altar with me? Would you join me in prayer, in preparation? Build an altar. God's gonna move. God's gonna send the fire. That's gonna start in his people. Build an altar. And so God, as we leave here today, I don't have all the answers. In fact, God, I'll be honest with you, I have more questions than I have answers. Now I won't put you in a box or anything like that. We don't want to do that. But Lord, we just want you to move. And so God, what I'm asking is not that we just become another church in the valley that holds services on Sunday, that has things for kids and teens and programs and all that. God, I want to be a church that's revived. I want to be a church that's open to seeing you move, God, would you change us? And God, I, I, maybe it's a selfish part of me, I can't wait to see what you do when you add day by day those who are being saved. God, that's what you've called us to do, to unite people with Jesus and help them take the next steps. It's God, for what you're gonna do, we thank you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, thanks for being here. Hey, like some of you, I know, like I've just scratched the surface. You're gonna be hearing more about some of these things. I'm doing a Q&A at the Oaks Breakfast on Friday. But I will tell you this, like if you haven't been to the next steps, come here tonight at 4 p.m. I'll be doing a, a Q&A there as well. Uh, thank you so much for being on the journey, uh, on the journey with me. I can't wait to see what God has in store for us. You're dismissed. See you next week.